The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Unity in World Religions is a book by longtime Unity minister Paul John Roach that connects the dots between Unity teachings and the tenets of the world's religions. Get your copy today at unity.org slash worldreligions. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Why, hello, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I am Jim Lefter, and I'm going to be your host today. I'm kind of a spiritual journeyman kind of guy and media producer. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com. Joining me today as co-host is that very special spiritual rebel, Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm excited. You're excited? What are you excited about? Well, I'm excited about today's interview, and I'm excited about being off my sofa and not binge-watching Netflix. (laughs) I'm actually up and doing something, and I'm not in that kind of vegetative state that has been wooing me these days. It is difficult with the pandemic uh, and us, most of us being sort of homebound to a large extent, you know, how we cope every day. And, you know, Netflix, they've gone through the roof in terms of viewership, that's for sure. I think I know my house better now than I've ever known my house. And, and the yard because I'm home, right? Last year I was out on the book tour, so I was not home. And we have um, a, a hawk who had two babies in our yard. And so there's been quite the struggle, I suppose, of me trying to talk to the hawk and telling it not to eat my songbirds and it telling me it's hungry and all sorts of like, I didn't know that we lived with so many critters. And now I'm really aware of them when I'm not on the sofa watching Netflix. (laughs) Well, what kind of things have you been doing to, you know, to get through this? I mean, are there any practices you've been doing? You know, I have, since I teach spiritual practice, I I like have to walk my walk and talk my talk, right? Um, Some days I'm, I'm better at, at making the time than others, but something I've started doing recently is Reiki with my cat. Interesting. Yeah. So we had a skirmish in my house. One cat saw another cat outside a stray, got angry and went after the little baby cat in our house. And it caused a big vet bill. And it caused, oh, yes, yes. And and medicines that we had to give him and all sorts of distress in the house. And so a friend suggested that I start doing some Reiki with the cat. And so every day from 1230 to one, we put on this great playlist of uh, pet therapy music and we sit down on the bed and, uh, and we do a little Reiki. And I don't know, I think it's good for him, but I think it's really good for me. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. I've been, uh, I've gone into this practice, you know, we had Royce Kristen on a couple of times and I've actually been doing the scripting every day, you know, writing down um, the ones, the, the no's and the, uh, you know, what I script for the day. And then I've been doing spiritual mind treatments and meditation. Um, I can't say that I, I do it every day, but I can say that uh, I get up early to do these things, and it has been really life-saving in a lot of ways for me. 
I think it is. And I think what I'm finding is we're all getting creative about our practice, right? Things that may have worked pre-pandemic don't necessarily work now, or we may need different things to settle our minds down. Or if we're used to going to a community that we, we can't visit with anymore, right? You know, how do you, how do you do that on Zoom or how do we adapt? And I'm, I'm noticing that uh, resilience, right? Adaptability, resilience, those type of things in my practice. So don't beat myself up, but do what I can and do what works for that day. Yeah, absolutely. I do miss going to coffee shops, though. That was one of my staples. I would work from coffee shops a lot. So I miss that. I miss movies. Yes. Right? Movies and, and a whole bunch of popcorn and Star Wars on a big screen. <laughs> Jim, I miss it. I miss it. That's what I'm looking forward to when we, we get to come. Of course, I'm looking forward to not having people dying or sick oh, or of course, worrying of about course. where their food is, right? All of those things, too. So that's always underneath this kind of... Um, how do I take care of myself? But there's also this bigger, how do I be of service to the others you sure. know, who, who really need help right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So you waiting for some dueling inspirational quotes? I am. Do you want to go first this time? I want you to go first. <laughs> chicken. All right. And no offense to chickens. Um, here's mine. Man's idea of deity evolves with his other ideas. After a belief in many gods, he comes to realize there is only one mind and one spirit back of all manifestation. One spirit or self-conscious life acting through the medium of one mind or subjective law, producing many manifestations. Multiplicity comes from unity without breaking up the unity of the whole. Is that Ernie? Of course it is. We are so in tune today. I know why, too, because, well, I know why. All right. I loved that. All right. Here's mine. Short, but a, a similar version. There is nothing in your life that will not change, especially your ideas of God. Ooh. Who's that? So that's Tukaram, who's a 17th century poet saint. Wow. Right? There is nothing in your life that will not change, especially your ideas of God. And I picked this because over my lifetime, I had such a struggle with that word, which I used to call the G word, right? Sure. And then I realized my struggle wasn't with God. It was with my definition of God. It was with the word God. It was with the baggage that people stuck onto God, all of that. And when I was writing Spiritual Rebel, I ended up like coming up with this list of 200 alternate names. Yes, I, so I remember it, that. Yeah. Remember that? So it was really eerie when I was listening to the audiobook for today's author interview. And about chapter five, he starts listing all these names for God. Yes. And I was like, oh, yes, we're kindred spirits. So I am really excited to talk more with Neil about the G word. Yes. Um, and I think both of our quotes point to the idea that we have, right, about how expansive um, defining that word can be. Yeah, true. I'm very much looking forward to uh, to talking with Neil because, you know, a lot of his vision, his his books changed my ideas about God or gave me some food for thought that led to some changes. Now, I have to mention that my quote was not just Ernie, it was Ernest Holmes from The Science of Mind. I didn't, I didn't say his full name. So I. Oh, that's I true. I'm so casual about it. <laughs> I know he's Ernie to us. Ernie, well, that's an, an affectionate Ernie to anybody who's Absolutely. who says, how dare they do that? That's affectionate. My, my, I might start calling you Jimmy. That, oh, no, you know, probably not. <laughs> that's fine that with just, me. Nah, that didn't go down right. We're going to stick with Jim. 
didn't work with you, huh? But you know, it is a point that we we assign meaning to words. We and do. we assign baggage to words. And I was having a conversation with someone yesterday about not saying, I'll be your guinea pig. Oh, interesting. Think about that for a minute, what that means. Yeah, yeah. Right? It doesn't mean I'll be your cute and cuddly little pet. It means I'll be somebody who's experimented on against my will. No. You know, so these words, these words have big, big things to get into. So I'm really looking forward to what Neil has to say. Me too. Me too. All right. Are you ready to dive into the show? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Reverend Raymond Anderson joins us with Raymond's Corner. Okay. Here we go. Connecting with divinity. Bum, bum, yeah, I know. That's one of those topics that gets everybody, right? I mean, it's it's so amorphous and vague, and and yet it's what we want. We deeply desire to be connected with the divine, to connect to our own divinity. And we make it so much more difficult than it really needs to be. For example, if I ask you, how do you connect with your artistic side? You know, the side of you that might draw, paint, sculpt, or crochet. What about if you're a teacher? How do you connect with that side of you that is a teacher or a parent or a home chef or a gardener, dancer, singer, writer, poet? Like, how do you connect with that side of you that is simply you so that you're not simply doing what you're doing because that's what Tim or Fred or Sharon does, but it's legitimately being done because it's what your heart and your mind want to do. How do you connect to that part? The part of you that is most authentic and empowered and honest and real. What if connecting with the divine or connecting with our own divinity is no different than connecting with that part of ourselves that is Ourself, capital S, self. What if it's no different than the artist is an artist because they create art? They connect to this process of what it means to draw, paint, take photographs, etc. They surrender to the process. A parent surrenders to the process of what it means to take care of, to nurture, to raise another individual. A teacher surrenders to the process of what does it mean for me to connect to my students? What does it mean for me to truly educate them and not simply to train them? A gardener surrenders to the power of the dirt and the seeds and the flowers and the plants. A dancer surrenders to the dance. The poet surrenders to the words being spoken or written. And when we are truly authentic with ourselves, we surrender to that part of us that is God already being itself as us. In the same way that Ernest Holmes said, God in me, as me, is me. And that the only God we will truly know is the one that we embody. So there is no divine outside of us. There is no divinity that we need to seek. It's simply a state of coming to know ourselves more and more authentically, more and more transparently, 
more and more audaciously to simply be who we are because we live in a world of conformity. Everybody wants to be like everyone else. You know, it's like when I was growing up, we would always talk about the grass being greener in somebody else's yard or people competing with the Joneses. We live in a world where people want to be like other people, especially those superstars that we see on television and read about in magazines. We're trying to be like someone else. We're trying to uh, worship another God rather than simply being who we are as divine beings. If there are things about myself that I don't like, and I try to ignore them or deny them, then what I am doing is disconnecting from the divine. Because that which is the divine is all of me. It's not just the pretty parts and the good parts and the talented parts and the parts that I like and the parts that other people like and praise. It's all of me. It's all of the guilt and all of the shame that I may be working through. It's all of the grief and all of the struggle and challenges I may be working through. It's all of that. So the process of connecting with the divine, the process of connecting with the divinity within me, the divinity that I am, not just within, but that I am, is this process of getting to know me, getting to know all about me, getting to like me and like me just as I am. Funniest Thing Guy, Ed Biagioti, joins us with a new segment. Hello, everyone. It is Ed Biagioti, co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed, right here on Unity Online Radio. And it is my pleasure to be talking about connecting with the divine right here on Big Universe. Connecting with the divine is the center of every spiritual practice. It's the cornerstone. It's what we build our understanding upon. All the great writers, the teachers... They were speaking about their own connection with the divine, how they foster their connection with the divine, what happens when we connect with the divine. And the beautiful thing is we're doing it all the time, whether we know it or not. There are, however, some great things that we can do. One in particular is meditation. Now, don't worry. Meditation is so simple. For me, it's really just sitting, relaxing, and breathing. And it's even okay to let our minds wander. Because what happens is as we breathe and allow our minds to wander and stop trying to control it and stop fighting with what we're thinking, stop fighting with the world around us, what happens is through that state of non-resistance, our own awareness of our divinity starts to bubble up inside us. It starts to nourish our mind. We start to release limiting patterns. New energy, new enthusiasm, new inspiration starts to bubble up and we become a light unto the whole world. So go inside and connect with the divine. Have a wonderful day. And remember that Daryl and Ed love you. And now it's time for our interview. Neil Donald Walsh is a modern day spiritual messenger whose words continue to touch the world in profound ways. His Conversations with God series of books has been translated into 37 languages, touching millions and inspiring important changes in their day-to-day lives. Neil's written 37 books on contemporary spirituality and its practical application in everyday life. His latest book is The Essential Path, Making the Daring Decision to Be Who You Truly Are. 
He travels extensively, offering presentations focused on what he calls the most important question facing humanity today. Is it possible that there is something we don't fully understand about God and about life, the understanding of which would change everything? Neil has a home in Southern Oregon where he lives with his wife, the American poet, M. Claire. Neil, it is so exciting to have you on Big Universe. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. That's a very sweet and kind uh, and generous introduction. I appreciate those uh, those kind words, even though my staff wrote them for you. <laughs> you know, I can't convince them. Stop it. Stop it. You know, I'm going to start believing my own press clippings. So <laughs> don't do that. Just say, you know, he, this guy is an author and let it go at that. Well, it's I very, it's very important. And, you know, I don't even mean that as a joke, just to get us started here, Jim. I don't even mean that humorously. I mean that everyone is having conversations with God all the time. The whole point of the book is that each of us are imbued with a sense of the divine within us, a place of wisdom and clarity that resides within all of us, that there's no one who is other than or separate from God. And so people tend to want to put me in a different category. Oh, this is a guy who talked to God. And I have to say from the stage when I give my lectures, no, 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 no. The guys who talk to God are out there, all of you sitting out there in the audience. It's not just me. So I have to tell my staff, you know, to write a different introduction. So I usually start my lectures by saying, hello, I'm Neil and I'm not my book. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Neil, you know, I have Neil. to, yeah, I have to say that, you know, your conversations with God series really hit me strong when I was kind of searching for you know, my next understanding of what God was to me. So I really appreciate that. Kind of led, led me to new thought and unity and science of mind and all that stuff. So I just wanted to let you know that, you know, it had an impact on my life too. So thank you so much. Well, it shocked me as well, Jim. You know, when, when it's not a book that I wrote. It's a book that I took dictation for. I did not write it. I did, I did not have a sense of writing it. I had a sense of receiving it, you know, one paragraph at a time, fair enough. But I had a sense of receiving it. And I was reading it on the screen as I was receiving it. And, and it, it shocked me. Each, each new paragraph, like, oh, my gosh, oh, my golly. You know, and what's interesting, Jim, if, if, if the ideas that were coming through were ideas I had had before or read somewhere else or whatever, it would have been interesting. But in fact, I was being presented with ideas that I, I had never entertained before. And I'll give you one, one example. I was told, I remember early in what became book one, I was told there's no such thing as the Ten Commandments. What? What? There's no, I mean, that violated everything I thought I understood about theology. Even if I didn't believe it, I certainly thought I understood that there was such a thing called the Ten Commandments. Here I am receiving this extraordinary information. There's no such thing as the Ten Commandments. And what she said when I asked her, I said, you know, well, I don't understand. How, how can you say that? And he said, Neil, who would I command? Myself? There's no one but me. Who would I command and who would I publish? God is all there is. All things are one thing. There's only one thing. And all things are part of the one thing there is. So if I, if I commanded myself, what would the right hand slap the left for mm -hmm. not obeying? You know, so you know, that, that rearranged my entire theological construction and changed my life forever. Never would I have imagined that it would touch the lives of millions of people around the world. It didn't even occur to me. It was a private experience I was having in my own life. Now, you mentioned that, you know, everyone can have a conversation with God in their sense. What do you mean by that? 
I mean that everyone can have a conversations with God in their own sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jim, well, cool. come on. <laughs> well, that makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. I, I really mean, I really mean that everyone not only can have a, their own conversation with God, and by the way, to prove it, I actually put up a, a, a website, your own cwg.com hmm. and anyone can go to that website and have their own conversation with God or at least they're invited to have the experience they may not actually experience a conversation with God but they're invited to have that experience so what I mean when I say that Jim and what what God meant when she told me that uh, he, he wanted to make it clear to me that he resides that is divinity if you please resides within every single sentient being in the cosmos. And therefore, having a conversation with God is nothing more than getting in touch with, as I said a minute ago, the place of wisdom and clarity that resides within all of us. And, but, but the sad part about it is when, when many people do that, they often either say, oh, it's just my imagination. You know, I, I'm just imagining that. By the way, I ask God that question. How do I know this is not my imagination? Just my imagination. God said, it is. It is your imagination. You, do you think I would stop at using something as magnificent as your imagination? Where did, where did Mozart get his music? Where did Rembrandt get his art? From their imagination. That is, that is their imagination. Their ability to image or to put into Im imagery what it is they understood at a, at, a, at, a, at a creative level. So we all have that place within us. So what I mean when I say that everyone can have conversations with God is that you literally can sit down and do it. There's no right way to do it. It's not like you have to do it this way or that way. For some, it might be just a chance utterance of a friend on the street or a billboard as you go around the corner and you see a sign on the billboard. You can't believe how perfect it is for the question you are now asking yourself mm -hmm. or, or the lyrics of the next song you hear. Or in fact, it might be a dialogue that you have on paper if you choose to use that process. But everyone is having their own conversation with God. And the trick is not to deny it. And, 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 not, and also, not just, not just don't deny it, but don't fail to listen. That is, don't ignore it. So neither deny nor ignore the information you're receiving. And, and if, if you follow that rule, your life, will, in, my, in my experience, your life will change. I love that. You know, I, I did start a practice where I, I have a journal in which I do feel like I'm, I'm connecting with my higher power. And I, I ask questions and I, I do get responses that, you know, are unexpected to me. You know, that things, you know, and I, I, I value that process. So I, I've really had this experience to some extent. And I appreciate you, you know, sort of bringing that forward that we can have conversations in that manner. Not only can we, not only can we, Jim, we all are. Yeah. I have never met a single person, and I've been around now, around the world, and talked to thousands of people uh, if, for, in audiences from here to Moscow and back, and, and I've never met a single person who did not say that at least once they had that experience of, wow, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it's only a question of whether they embrace it, accept it, and act on it rather than ignore it and, and uh, call it something else. Well, and I think that that's what gets to Jim, your first question, and we chided you on it. But that question of can anyone talk with God, we've heard messages, some of us have heard messages that, that we can't, right? And, yeah, and I think... The sad, the sad thing about, yeah. about some of our organized religions is that they're telling us that, no, no, God only talks you know, to the Pope. 
that, you know, that, well, well, somebody wrote a song a few years ago about that, that, you know, that, that, get, that what if God was one of us, mm -hmm. just a slob like one of us, just a slob riding the bus, you know, is a marvelous song. What if God was one of us? Mm -hmm. But there, yes, there are religions that teach us that if we even think, much less actually say out loud, that God is communicating directly with us, that we are a blasphemer, a heretic, an apostate. And in some countries of the world, not too many years ago, maybe even recently, you could be put on trial, an ecclesiastical trial for making such a statement. And in some places, you could be put to death unless you renounced your statement and declared that you were wrong and didn't mean it. Mm -hmm. So yes, yes, we've been taught by our very religions, the institution that was designed and created to bring us closer to God has allowed us to believe and actually encouraged us to believe that we are not supposed to get any closer to God than we are now. God's over there. And we're down here and never the twain shall meet, except perhaps on judgment day. And when you will pay for all of the blaspheming that you've done in your life, if that's true, you know, for all, for all I know, it could be true. I'm in deep trouble. Yeah, we all are. Yeah, we all are. I'm, I'll be right there with you. Yes. <laughs> well, then, then that's heaven. Yeah, we'll do this again. <laughs> See, there you go. Then I get to go to heaven. I get to go to heaven mm -hmm. with Sarah. That's cool. That's cool. Um, we just have a few minutes left before we have to go to a break, but um, I want to definitely dive into your new book, The, the Essential Path, because, you know, lots of great stuff in there. Um, you, you say in there that we need to choose God. Um, what do you mean by that? What does that mean? That, that, that to me, it means that the presence of God in your life is a choice uh, that we make. It, it, it's a given. It's what's so but the experience of that given uh, is is a, a choice we we have to we get to make, and that uh, and that you will not have the experience of God in your life unless you choose to. But that's by the way that's the beauty of free will. That free will allows us to say yes or no to the experience of divinity as part of life and as part of us. And and, and God does not have an, an investment in your answer. If you say no, God's not going to go game on you, God will say, okay, fine, you know, live another lifetime not knowing, you, you know, it, it, inevitably you will come to know that divinity exists and that you are uh, that which divinity is uh, as an individuation of it. Um, but you, you will choose that and I will never force it on you. So what is meant by you have to choose God is that God will not force itself on you. Hmm. It's something that you will um, have the opportunity to choose or not to choose as you wish. Thank you, that's wonderful. Well, we'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We're talking with Neil Donald Walsh. Uh, Neil, so your new book, The Essential Path, is 
you know, to me, a really profound look at the world and what we might do to change things for humanity's path. Um, you know, I'm going to start with a big doozy that, you know, will take you a minute and a half to, you know, finish. But um, what do you think the main problem humanity's having right now? Just a quick one, just a, you know, it's not a large question or anything. Well, the, <laughs> the biggest problem in the world today is the fact that most people don't know what the biggest problem in the world today is. Mm -hmm. And that includes, sadly, not all, but many of our religious, political, economic, uh, and philosophical leaders in the world. The, the leadership, those to whom we look uh, for answers, or at least for advice, don't, don't even seem to know what the biggest problem in the world today is. Now, you know you have a problem when you can see the outfall from the problem, when you can see the fallout, but you can't, you can't figure out what's causing the problem. That's a big problem. When you don't, it's like when, when you, you know, turn the key in your car and it won't start. And you know, if, you, if you're like me, I don't have any idea what's going on under the hood. So I know that I can see the result of the problem. My car won't start, but I have no idea why it won't start. And we haven't been able to figure out why humanity's story will not start moving in the direction it was intended to move from the very beginning. We can't figure out why we can't get started on the road to where humanity was always intended to go. Because we have no idea what the biggest problem in the world today is. But we can see the fallout, and I can put the fallout in one word. Alienation. Mm -hmm. I have never seen alienation at the level that I'm seeing that energy right now on the earth. I've never seen it at that high of a level. Political party, alienated from political party, people alienated from people, gays and straights, men and women, conservatives and liberals, you know, so-called foreigners or so-called natives. Everybody is angry with everybody else. Everybody is alienated. And we can't figure out how we can solve this problem. And sadly, even our world's great spiritual leaders, the, the chief ulama the, ulama, the head rabbi, uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Pope are saying nothing about it. That is, I mean, they're not directly approaching the problem. So here's the answer to the problem. I could put the answer in four words. The solution to the problem is we are all one. Yeah. There's no separation mm -hmm. of anything from anything. And once we understood that, and once we've stepped into the living of that, oh, I see. Let me see if I get this straight. Are you telling me then that if we're all one, that what I do for you, I do for me? And that what I fail to do for you, I fail to do for me? Are, are you suggesting that even though my fingers are separate from each other, in a sense, in the sense that they're different from each other, but they're not separated, they're all part of the same hand. And so we have individuation does not disappear when we have unity. And that's the great message uh, of unity. Great message of unity is that we do not have to be identical to be unified. And the great fear of human beings is that if I give up my, my you know, if I, if I give up my separation, that is, if I allow myself to think that I'm over here and you're over there and there's no separation between us, I'm going to lose my individuation. And it's not true. But so we're so afraid to lose our individual identity that we have refused to embrace the notion that we are all unified. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by the way, one last word on that subject, not only are we all unified, that is not only are all men and women and all living entities and all living life forms unified, but we are, of course, unified with that which we call God. I, I find it really interesting that you, you say that 
we're willing to question our beliefs in other areas like science and medicine and tech, but, but not spirituality. Why are we so afraid of that? Because we've been taught to be afraid that to question those beliefs is, in fact, as I said a minute ago, blasphemy, apostasy, heresy. It's, it's, it's heretical. It's the highest sin you can commit is, is, to, is to even question, not even to doubt or deny, even question uh, the, the beliefs of our, of our spiritual traditions. And the, and the chief belief, the highest belief of almost every spiritual tradition on the planet is the belief in separation. Don't you dare suggest that you and God are one. Not that you are the totality of God, but that you and God are one in the sense that you are an individuation of the divine. Don't even dare suggest that. Mm-hmm. Because God is, as I said a minute ago, God's way up there and we're way down here. And to imagine that you are one with God is, you know, and, and of course some religions actually teach that's where the devil came from. That the origination of the idea of Satan is that Satan was, was a fallen angel who dared to think that he was equal to or even perhaps greater than God. You know the irony of that? Here's the irony of that. Every father hopes that his son actually exceeds every one of his accomplishments. Mm -hmm. There's not a parent, woman or man on the earth that does not hope for their offspring, that they rise to the level of equality and exceed the accomplishments of their own parents. Mm. But, but, But God, excuse me, has got an ego issue. We, 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 we can't imagine uh, that God could, could, could hold the idea that its creations would be emanating the divine essence that it placed there to begin with. Let me give you an analogy when I ask God, Jim. I'm sorry, you're going to find that you're not going to want to ask me questions because I'm going to give you a two and a half uh, hour answer. I love it. No, no problem That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. <laughs> to, to 20 second questions. <laughs> but let, let, let me give you just an analogy because I ask God, how can it be? Help me in my little pea brain mind. Help me to understand how it's possible for you to say to me that I and God are the same stuff, that I, I am divinity, and, and at least in, in individuated form, God said, okay, I'll give you an analogy. A wave in the ocean. Is the wave not the ocean? When the wave arises from the ocean in all its wonder and beauty and majesty and power, is it not the ocean itself in individuated form? Or is it something other than the ocean? No, no, the wave is the ocean. Okay, so the wave is not other than the ocean. It's not separate from the ocean. It simply arises within the ocean as an individuated expression. And when that expression is beautiful and complete, it recedes back into the ocean whence it, whence it came. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly, in, in, a, in a metaphor, mm-hmm. your, the relationship that you have with God. Mm-hmm. You are an individuation. So God said to me, so my dear, dear Neil, Go out and make waves. <laughs> now, I know when we're talking about sacred beliefs, you, you mentioned that there are kind of three camps or three groups that people kind of fall into. And, you know, I wondered if you could explore that a little bit with us. Yeah. Well, you talk about uh, people who think that we've, they've, we found ourselves here, just kind of found ourselves here. Um, and they believe in the existence beyond this, but, you know, we have to please a de- deity, uh, you know, in the hereafter. Yeah, yeah. 
and 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 then the, and then there are people who don't think that we're here by accident that we that we came here on purpose yeah intentionally you yeah. Know, of our, of our own volition if you please right uh, and and that we came here with uh, with with uh, something specific that we have chosen to do um I, you know, I, you 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 caught me on that because <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't read the book in two and a half years, but but and and here's what's interesting. You, you might think, well, Neil, for heaven's sake, certainly you know what you wrote in your own book. <laughs> you know, you would if you actually wrote it. Yeah, yeah. But supposing someone was dictating something to you. Yeah. Supposing you were really just a glorified secretary in an office someplace, and then somebody came to you two and a half years later and said. To give me a report on what, what was dictated to you two and a half years ago. Right. You'd right. have to say, whoa, wow, wow. You know, I'm not sure I can do that word for word. Yeah, I don't think so, I could do it for last week, personally. But yeah. No, Jim, so, you, you, but you, you might be able to. Maybe. <laughs> but, but, you but, know, I think, that the, I think that that section, when, when I read it, what it really pointed out to me was that, you know, we have these different kind of categories that we create around these beliefs. And what you were talking about, Neil, was the being willing to question that, even to, you know, to push against the group. And I think Jim and I as rebels, maybe that's why we kind of latched onto that question about, you know, the, ne the necessity of pushing against the group think. And, and, and there's not even a necessity. I'm going to push against the idea that there's a necessity to do that. Hmm. You know, I say to people when, when they bring things like that up to me in my lectures and my retreats, I say, you know what? If you're perfectly happy where you are, you have no need to change anything. I wouldn't even invite you to change your belief mm -hmm. system. If you're perfectly happy with the way you are, with the way your life is, and of course, if you're living your life, obviously, in a way that does not hurt, damage, injure, or destroy anybody else, there's no need to change anything. It's, it, it's not a requirement that you move through life with a particular set of beliefs. However, if you have found that the beliefs that you currently hold, not just about God, but about yourself, and about life in general and how it operates and how it functions and how it is. If those beliefs that you currently hold have not rendered your life as an experience of happiness, joy, and completion, and wonderment, and excitement, and positivity, if that's not your experience of life, then you may want to ask yourself the question that Jim asked a while ago. Is it possible, just possible, that there's something we don't fully understand here? about God and about life, the understanding of which would change everything. Mm -hmm. And that's the question that drove me into the arms of God. God, you know, I don't get it. I don't get it. What does it take to make life work? What have I done to deserve a life of such continuing struggle? Somebody tell me the rules. I, 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 swear, to, I swear I'll play. I, I promise I'll play. Just give me the rule book. Right. And, right. When, you, and when you give me the rules... Don't change them because mm -hmm. it feels like every other week the rules are changing. So somebody tell me what's going on here and how does it all work? Mm. And that's when God said, sweetheart, sit down. It's not as complicated as you think. I said, no, 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 it really is complicated. Mysterious are the ways of the Lord. God said, actually not. Simple are the ways of the Lord. Mm. God is the simplest of all. Mm. So I said, okay, then I want, I want a single answer. I want you to tell me, if it's all that simple, give me a, a, what, what does it take to make life work? I just want that. I don't care about any of the other esoterics. I don't care about the theology behind it. I don't care about the philosophy. I don't care. I just tell me in a single sentence, 
why can't I get my life to work? God said, okay, sweetheart, I'll tell you in a very simple statement. The problem has been, Neil, you think your life is about you. Hmm. And your life has nothing to do with you. Hmm. It's about everyone whose life you touch and the way in which you touch it. Hmm. And I, you know, I sat back in my chair, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm almost 60 years old. What are you telling me? After six decades on the planet, I'm getting this information? But I decided to see what my life would turn into if I lived into that idea. Oh, I see. My life has nothing to do with me. And then it's about everyone whose life I touch and the way in which I touch it. And then I, I, I was allowed to understand, well, in, in the simplest sense, I gave it to you at the, at the simplest level. Of course, in the broadest sense, your life is about you because what you do for others returns to you. So it turns out that your life is not about local you, it's about universal you. And it is in fact true that what you do for another, you do for yourself. And what you fail to do for another, you fail to do for yourself. So in that sense, your life is about you, but in a roundabout way that doesn't begin over here where you are, but over there where they are. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Why didn't somebody tell me that when I was 25? <laughs> <laughs> really? Really? Hmm. So deciding who we are and what we're doing here is pretty critical. And what you mention in the book is who we are is spiritual being manifesting physically. What we are is one essence manifesting individually. Can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah, well, well, yes, of course. The, the, the big question is, who am I? And I, I have to say, I've always been asking that question since I was seven years old. Yeah. I can't remember rolling around in my bed when I was seven, eight, and nine years old. Who am I? I mean, what is this? So the, the big question that humanity has an opportunity to answer is, who am I? That is, what is my essential nature? What is my true identity? Capital T, capital I. What is my true identity? Am I simply a physical entity, no different from a dolphin or a whale or a bird in the sky or a fish in the sea? You know, but perhaps more complex, fair enough, maybe more complex, maybe more highly developed, if you please, although compared to dolphins, I'm not all that sure. But <laughs> true, let, true. Let's, let's Absolutely. Just, <laughs> let's just say that for now. I'm a more complex entity, fair enough. But is that the beginning and the end of it? I'm, I'm born, I live, I die, and that's the beginning and the end of it? Or is it possible that I'm something more than my body and my mind? That my body and my mind is, are simply tools, if you please. They're what I have. What if I'm not my body? What if my body is simply something that I have? Who is the I that has this body? And so the second answer to the question is maybe I am a spiritual entity simply having a physical experience. Now, that's not a new thought. That, that we've, been, we've been hearing that for many, 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 many years, for many, 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 many teachers. But not many, many people have actually sought to explore what it would look like to apply that in daily life. Because here's where the catch is. Here's the catch. If you think that you are really a spiritual entity having a physical experience, the question becomes why? 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what would be the purpose of that? If I really was a spiritual entity, free as a bird, if you please, and even, even more free, just able to be and do and have whatever I chose as a spiritual entity, why in the world would I place myself in this physical environment that we call the earth and move myself through the experiences that I'm moving through? So somebody, like I said, to God, tell me the rules. Give me the reason. I don't understand what's going on. Because I was raised you know, with an, by my culture with an entirely different idea about what, what I was supposed to be doing here. You know, when I was 16, 18, 20, I got the message really big. The cultural story told me what I'm doing here. Get the guy, get the girl, get the car, get the job, get the house, get the spouse, get the kids, get the better job, get the better car, get the better house, get the better spouse, get the better spouse, get the better spouse, get the, you know, <laughs> get the, get the office Where's your in the boat? <laughs> Get the office in the corner with your name on the door, with the windows, the window office, get, get the building on the corner with your name on the building. And then finally get the gray hair, get the cruise tickets, you know, get the illness and get the hell out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been the formula for life. And I thought, I thought, is that it? I mean, really, really, is that it? Is that why we're here? Can, can nobody give me a better reason, a bigger reason, a larger reason than that? I mean, truly? until I've read one of the great Shakespearean uh, quotations of all time. What a great metaphysician Bill, Bill was. Billy, Bill, yeah. yeah. Bill Shakespeare said, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa, like what then? Like what? Mm-hmm. Somebody give me the what. And that's what caused me to have my ongoing 20-year conversation with God. Mm-hmm. Please just, just let me understand. And what God said was, okay, here, here, here it is. You're here in physical form this time around. One of many, many, many physicalizations in many places, by the way, not just on this earth. You have a what? I said, what? Are you telling me that I've lived uh, elsewhere in the cosmos? God said, oh, sweetheart, have you never looked up at the night sky? spotted a particular quadrant in the night sky? Have you never even looked at a particular area of the night sky and felt homesick? Mm. Mm-hmm. I actually have. I actually felt, oh my gosh. Yes, I have had that feeling. God said, of course you have. Sweetheart, you've lived in a thousand lifetimes in a thousand places, all for the same reason, to recreate yourself anew in each golden moment of now in the next grandest version of the greatest vision ever you held about who you are, or in a single sentence, evolution, Mm. in a single word, evolution. Your goal, your agenda, the agenda of the soul is to evolve and express and experience your true identity. God wishes to experience itself and does experience itself in, as, and through you. And so I ask myself every day these days, whenever I speak, whenever I act, whenever I think of anything, if it's just a simple conversation with my beloved spouse across the kitchen, or if it's a conversation like this, it'll be heard by thousands. Either way, I ask myself the same question. Is this my highest version of divinity? Mm. And by the way, I mean, obviously I don't get there all the time. In fact, rarely, rarely do I get there but rarely do I not try. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And that's what's changed in my life in the past 25 years. And ironically, instead of trying to do all those other things, get the guy, get the girl, get the car, get the job, get the office with your name on the door and the windows in the corner, get all that stuff. I, I, I dropped my agenda with regard to that. I let, I released all the stress, all the strain of, of trying to get all those things. And I decided, wait a minute, what if I didn't have to, what if I didn't have to spend any time on any of that and just used every minute of my life to see what my next highest demonstration of divinity without being arrogant, without, without being lacking in humility, but just as a private process within myself, how far can I go in expressing my highest idea of the divine in, as, and through me? But I had to let go of my worry about well, how, am, how am I going to put food on the table? You know, wh where will I have the money to buy my next shirt? You know, get my next haircut. I had to, oh, he already told me. Hmm. He already said, don't go around asking, what are we to eat? What are we to drink? Wherewithal will we clothe ourselves? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you. You think I'm lying to you? Trust me on this, yeah. she said. Hmm. And I said, okay, I will. And I did. Well, I really hate that we only have about four minutes left because I could talk to you forever. Um, I, I did want to hit on um, a couple of things that you, you mentioned in the book uh, about tools that you use. Your beingness question, what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? And the yeah, it's a, it's a powerful question. You yeah. know, when yeah. I'm in, when I'm involved in a in an interaction with my sweetheart, my beloved, in the morning, and maybe it isn't going as well as I would like. Maybe there are even some unpleasant words exchanged between us. In the old days, I would become justified and righteous and correct because, because of course, I'm correct on everything. That's a given, and it's, it's, it's just an, in, in that I am my too. Wife, yeah, my wife simply has forgotten that, so I had to remind her. Uh, but you know, but uh, uh, then I then I was given this magic question, and the magic question, whether it's in that moment with my beloved, or just watching a television program, or choosing what I'll have for dinner, or 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 you know, in a restaurant, opening the menu, what, what do I want to eat here? The, the same question arises in every moment. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? Hmm. Mm -hmm. And that recontextualizes everything. That's powerful causes me to see everything in a brand new way, in a brand new context, with a brand new meaning. And then if I allow everything that I, that I thereafter, in answer to my question, if I allow everything that I'm thinking, saying, and doing to be a reflection of what I think it has to do with the agenda of my soul, my life can change in 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I can learn how to be who I really choose to know myself as. And I can walk around the kitchen counter, which I've done more than once, and approach my darling wife, hold her in my arms and say, sweetheart, I'm sorry for the part I played in any unpleasantness we had this morning. I love you way, way, way too much to have something so inconsequential come between us. I apologize for any role that I may have played in that. And my wife will look at me, the tears start rolling down her face and she says, that's why I married you. Mm-hmm. And that's really a question we need to pose with everybody, you know, and with everything that we, we encounter. I think that would be so profound for us all. It, 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 if we allow that question to follow us uh, through life, 
in every interaction. What, what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? But of course, the question won't make any sense if we don't know what the agenda of the soul is. That's where I was 25 years ago. I, haven't, I don't know. What is the agenda of the soul? Mm-hmm. But I found out what that agenda was in my conversations with God. What is it? To recreate myself anew in the next grandest version of the greatest vision ever I held about who I am in every golden moment of now that I might know myself in my true identity. The gift that I've been given by God is life in physical form because in the realm of the physical, that which I am not exists. And in the absence of that which I am not, that which I am cannot be experienced. I can't know high without low, big without small, here without there, male without female, fast without slow. And so I've placed myself in this space of relativity, in the realm of the relative, so that I could experience and express who I am. But if I make everything that I'm not wrong, if I judge everything that I'm not as not being okay and not being as good and as wonderful as me, I've missed the whole point of the entire experience, which is why every spiritual teacher on the face of the earth in virtually every tradition has said in their own version, judge not and neither condemn, but be a light unto the world that you might know who you really are. Oh, Neil, I wish we could talk to you much longer. Please come back. Will you please come back for us? Absolutely not. This has been the worst experience of my life. And I'm never going to do this again. I'm just going to have to keep listening to his audiobooks and yes. keep ransom in my car. Yes, yes. Well, Neil's latest book is The Essential Path. You can get more information about Neil Donald Walsh at his website at www.cwgconnect.com. For more information about Sarah Bowen, please go to www.spiritual-rebel.com. And I've got premium video courses and help people to create them on my website called youthrivehere.com. I hope you'll join me. Neil, thanks so much for being with us. And thanks, Thank you, my friend. Absolutely. And thanks, everybody. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.